0: Big Blue Insider is on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Get on the show. Call 280 CATS. That's 280 2287. Or toll free at 1 800 606 GAME. That's 1 800 606 4263. Big Blue Insider is brought to you by UK Healthcare.
1: Hello and welcome to Big Blue Insider. This is not Dick Gabriel, I'm Kyle Tucker, and Curtis Birch is joining me on the other side of the glass. We are filling in for Dick, who's on vacation, and the last two hours of work I'm going to do before I am officially unemployed and heading on vacation myself. Uh, Curtis, as we've talked about for a while now, lots of this has been a long goodbye, but SEC Country, we, we found out about six weeks ago, SEC Country, my uh, now former employer, Shutting the doors officially tomorrow, I guess, June 30th, the end of the fiscal year, but everybody's pretty much turned in their equipment today. I mailed my laptop back after using it last night to do the show. Mailed, mailed the laptop back. Mailed the, uh, the, the bane of my existence back, this giant uh, much-assembly-required backdrop that was in SEC Country and Zaxby's backdrop that Joe Masato and I, our buddy, uh, used to stand in front of and do football preview videos uh, and read uh, cheesy Zaxby's promos. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that got mailed back, and uh, the podcasting equipment got mailed back, which you I had, and then you had, yeah. and then I don't think you ever actually used. We just we I had it's, I used I, a little bit. The I mo- used the microphone. Yeah, mostly we mostly we rolled with the with the professional grade equipment here in the radio station. I think. Yeah, for the most part. Um. It's all, it's all gone. It's over. Um, An SEC country, not the only American, the iconic American brand ending today uh, after its illustrious long two-year run. Toys R Us has shut its doors. I don't know if it's all official. I don't know what time that it's done, but I guess today is the day that Toys R Us... Um, is finally gone under all the doors are shutting um so some sad stuff there but uh, curtis i want to bring people joy uh we need in this time uh <laughs> everywhere we need a little more happiness in our news reports um yesterday it was an especially sad day uh for journalism uh, the shooting at the newspaper in maryland uh i'm not going to talk too much about that because i'll be both sad and then i'll get real mad and so And I'll probably get a little political, so we won't do that. We need some good news, and the good news in the silver lining in the closing of Toys R Us, Curtis, is that a man in Raleigh, North Carolina, a woman, man, woman, someone, anonymous uh, do-gooder, bought the final $1 million worth of toys at the local Toys R Us in Raleigh to give away to local children in need. That's awesome. That's the good news we needed today, I think, Curtis.
2: That is. uh, That's exactly how that should should operate. If someone has the means, and then you make a bunch of children super happy. Yep. So that's making the best out of a bad situation. You know, for Toys R Us and for.
1: I'm sad about that. I mean, were you a Toys R Us kid, Curtis?
2: No. Really? Because we had this thing, and I, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it. But it was like a Johnny's Toys. I think it was called. Does that seem right? No, I have no idea. And it was. It was kind of a. A chain i think but basically they'd mail you this thing on your birthday and then you'd go and they had this inside the store they had this giant castle oh okay. like was but it was like made of cardboard and you'd go in and you'd get this toy and the toy was terrible it right. was like a Three dollar toy that would fall apart within a it month was to lure you in. To yeah, buy that's exactly other what it was. Yeah. But
1: you still like, like the Happy Meal toy. It's it, just, it, it, just really a just a choking hazard.
2: In, in all honesty, though, but like it was just the coolest thing because it right. was like the experience. You're like yeah. you're like all jacked up. You're yeah. going into this castle you a, and, you're yeah. and you're getting toy. a free
1: toy. And then you want to you, but you're like this toy's dinky. Mom, let's buy a bigger one. Yeah, that's what that's, I, I don't. There's recall. some genius in that. Yeah. I don't know about this toy, toy store you're talking I think about. That's a, but that's that was but me. But
2: that closed that closed a while ago too. So I Stores I've,
1: I've, are well. I mean, look. All, everything. Thanks, Bezos. What, what what isn't? What is? Yeah, exactly. Amazon, the the death of of, uh, of uh, the mom and pop, or even the big box store. I mean, it's hard for anybody to survive in business these days, especially retail stores with everything you can buy online. But today's going to be, uh, we're going to talk about some news. Uh, but today is also going to be a mem- a day of of memories. Uh, of reflection, of happy memories. I will share, um, I I am more than likely going to be covering Kentucky in some capacity going forward. I am staying in Lexington. I have uh, a few options on the table right now. They all involve covering college basketball. A few of them involve covering Kentucky basketball specifically. But there is at least a possibility that I will will not be a full-time Kentucky basketball beat writer. After today, Um, after doing so since 2011 at the Courier Journal for five years and SEC Country for two. And so I'll talk a little bit tonight about some of my favorite memories of covering uh, Kentucky uh, since 2011. The first year on the beat was the national championship year. So we'll talk about that. Um, And we'll talk, let's talk. I want you guys to call in uh, and talk to us 859 280 2287, 800 606 4263. Uh, call in, share your favorite memories, Kentucky basketball memories. They can be of your life. They can be, if we, if we want to be more specific, they can be of the John Calipari era. No, uh,
2: no, no, no. I want of memories of no memories of the Kyle Tucker era. Just the Okay, let's do it. <laughs> <Not> you cannot <laughs> can wait. And, then, and yeah. but to your point, you know, you mentioned John Calipari. Just because we say yeah. that era doesn't mean necessarily that it's ending. Yeah. We're not saying right. that. But right. so Kyle let's Tucker say era. let's say
1: the Kyle Tucker era of Kentucky <laughs> basketball, which is uh, from the title. Season on. The the National Championship season onward. What have been your uh, best Kentucky basketball memories? Call in, share them with us 859-280-2287 800-606-4263 or and or call in and share your favorite Toys R Us memory cuz I, I it makes me sad. Curtis for some reason didn't get caught up in the uh, the jingle, the Toys R I want to be a Toys R Us kid, but I did. Uh, it was magical to me, and I always wanted to go to Toys R Us, and I think a lot of people have Toys R Us memories. What's the one? Call in and tell us if you want. What was the one toy that you coveted that you were waiting for your mom to take you to Toys R Us to get? Or to whatever this store is that Curtis can't it's remember. Johnny's. Oh, it it's Johnny's. Oh, it is Johnny's. I, love, it I
2: found is. it. I found it. Yeah. Johnny's with
1: the castle where they gave you the dinky free toy to well, get you to buy was, bigger toys.
2: I remember why it was so cool now, because they gave you a key to get in the uh, castle. Oh, that's genius. There's some genius key. there. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah that's so. good. That is very good. You want to talk to Al real quick? Yeah, let's talk to Al.
3: Hey, guys. How you doing?
1: Good. How are um, you? Thanks for, thanks for calling in. What do you got, Al?
3: Well, I'm much older than you guys, and uh, I shopped at Sears and Robux, which they had a, a store downtown, uh, so I was interested in the, uh, the air hockey uh, game that they had, uh, so I, I got that.
1: That's a good um, one. Yeah.
3: Yeah. My, my toys will be antiquated. Uh, when it comes to you, young fellas. Did you ever
1: uh, did, did you play the little hockey game that had the little twist knobs uh, and the little the, the quarter size puck? The, yes. Uh, that mm-hmm. is that what you're talking I, about, or are you talking about actual air hockey?
3: Air hockey, and I had them both.
1: Yeah, I had the I had the little. I, I'm th- I'm not that young. I, I'm I'm gonna be 37 next month. Um, I had the little uh the little twist knob uh thing. I like to play air hockey at the arcade. That's my game. But but I had at home the little twist knob uh kind of the cardboard little men with the flipper sticks, you know, play right. play hockey. That was great.
3: Yep. And then, you know, we we had a computerized game, if you will, Atari. Yes. And then Pac-Man might have came after that. Those was trinkets and toys that a lot of kids got from Christmas. But one of the biggest gifts that we received here is the Kentucky basketball fan is in 1998 when Tubby Smith took that team and won uh, that particular game against Duke Dunning. Florida, when they were down by 17 points, Tubby uh, Smith did not yield to allow Coach K to have a timeout uh, when the catch was running them and running their tongues out, uh, and and went on to, to win the uh, the 1998 tournament on the heels of us having uh, exciting Kentucky football and how Mummy and Tim Couch, it might have been in 1998 when we lost uh, at the Outback Bowl, but certainly there was the birth of Air Raid as well. So that particular year was very exciting for Kentucky uh, fans on the uh, the heels of winning the national championship. Uh, also, including the um, excitement of how Mommy and and uh, Tim Casperot brought with Yeah that uh,
1: that was a that was a glory some glory days for uh, uh, for Kentucky sports fandom. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your mind here. You pr- you probably know this one if you know Atari. I my dad passed on a game to me that I played until my fingers fell off called ColecoVision. Uh it was kinda like Atari, but it was a it was a primitive video game that had the controllers were like uh like push button phones almost because mm-hmm. with a knob with a knob on them. And uh that was uh I wish I still had that thing because I think they're pretty but, rare now. You
3: know, real quick, the things that excited young kids was having having walkie talkies. Yep. And guys that that was excited about learning the NFL back in the day. We only had like maybe or three uh, stations that carried I remember Pat Summerall and some of the other guys probably in NFL football where we at the electric board games where we were able to get our own teams and plug oh, yeah. it up and the vibration would allow those, those uh, men to run down the field and uh, that, that game I, I'm sure if someone was to find it in the attic there's no telling how much that game would, would be worth but that certainly drove a lot of excitement Yeah, those you, things guys, are... do a, you guys do a great job hope your endeavors work out for you young man and Curtis my friend I'll I'll talk to you. Uh, I'll talk to you
2: again, my man. Thank you so much, Al.
1: Thank you for calling in, Al. That was those were some uh, some great memories. Uh,
2: Hold on, I got a question for you, Kyle. Yeah, if you've been playing video games so long, why are you so bad at them? Because
1: <laughs> I'm not up on the new. I'm not. I'm not up on whoa, the new whoa, whoa. stuff.
2: I'm gonna go you, deep dive here. You, I mean, uh, if you we wanna... were there in Boise, Idaho, and at a classic video so, game place, yeah, that was and all you did get you just got beat on Paul. What is Pong? Pong, well, yeah, Derek Terry, Derek Terry of the Cats. Balls. These young, these young folks he
1: these just days, they, their hand-eye coordination is just better. Uh, look, let's play. Let's line it up and play some NCAA football. Any year from 1999 until it went extinct, I think in 2014. I have every single edition of NCAA football. Um, I would say the 2000ish version. Uh the Nebraska Corn Huskers running the triple option. I will light you up. Any of it. Any of you. Anybody. Anybody.
2: You're taking all comers. All comers. Um
1: but yeah, I did get smoked in the in some of the classic games. John Hale, then <laughs> I mean even some rudimentary games. John Hale in uh Des Moines, Iowa what, three years ago at yeah. the NCAA tournament, uh smashed the record on the on the uh skee ball. Wow.
2: Uh, just that's a uh, humiliated everybody. Well, I mean, let's just let everybody know if you need like a group to play some video games, the Kentucky beat, the Kentucky pretty beats.
1: Good... Pre- yeah. I mean, there've been all these stories. I think there's been a couple different years where we've all written stories about like the, whatever the hot video game is. And some of them are classic. One year it was classic video games. I think it was, was it Mario Kart.
2: I think it was an N64. They were dragging one of around. those. Yeah. I think it was a 2015 team. It was smash brothers, smash bros. Yeah. That's right.
1: Um, yeah, we've written about the the basketball teams kind of like falling in love with the game and, and meeting up in each Playing other's rooms. Fork knife. The yeah, fork knife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's when Derek Terry keeps trying to get me to to learn how to play. Um, but yeah, the Kentucky the Kentucky beat. We we've uh, John Hale's got his Nintendo Switch and takes it on the road. And we've 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 really been big on the oh, well, uh, and I, and that will, NBA playgrounds. And that is another game that I suck at. Someone Did ask. You say suck on the radio.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gary Moyers of the Catsballs actually did ask for some stories and I was going to tell one that involved the switch about our time where we played Morgantown. for well, so deep yeah, into we, the gonna, night before we... we let's 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 <laughs> let's tease it after this break we're going to break right. down a time uh I'll say it like this I slept on a hotel room floor because a few feet away from
1: me <laughs> yes, in
2: Morgantown West Virginia
1: all right we'll uh, we'll be right back this is Big Blue Insider I'm Kyle Tucker filling in for Dick Gabriel and he's Curtis Birch we'll talk to you in a minute Welcome back to Big Blue Insider. I'm Kyle Tucker, sitting in for Dick Gabriel. Curtis Birch is still playing. Uh, goodbye. No, song. we're turning over the leaf.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is moving on song night.
1: Oh yes, This is, yes. This perver- is uh, persevering. That's right. I've put I've put you I've put your sadness and all the heartache behind me, and we're moving on. But we are looking back before we fully move on. Uh, we've already had one caller. You can uh, call in at Tell us your favorite Kentucky basketball or football memories of the Kyle Tugger (laughs) era, Curtis has decided. That is 2011 onward. Uh, Or your favorite Toys R Us memory, as Toys R Us, like SEC country, shutting its doors this weekend. Uh, You teased a, a story before the break. We were talking about video games.
2: Yeah. Go ahead and tell well, your story. Well,
1: how, how, you end, how did you end up sleeping on the floor next to me while I snored like a freight train uh, in Morgantown, West Virginia? What's and that? it had
2: nothing to do with alcohol. Someone asked if uh, you know, we had any Kyle Tucker on the road stories, and I said, yeah. Morgantown, West Virginia, we rode up together. We got there in the early afternoon. That was a semi-late tip-off in the evening. And uh, we were staying at a different hotel than many of the other beat writers and we actually went to, I think we met for lunch or a late dinner or something, I don't know, and we pulled into their hotel and started hanging out. Well, there was a video game that, as you mentioned, John Hale had. It was, was it NBA Streets or something along those lines. I can't remember the exact title. Wait, what, the game we are playing? Yeah. NBA Playgrounds. NBA Playgrounds.
1: Yeah, it's basically like, uh, it was the NBA Jam? Was that the yeah. game the arcade game that I played till my hands fell off yeah. back in the
2: day? And instead of going and checking into our hotel room, Kyle and I just, and we had separate ones booked, uh, Kyle and I just played the video games and hung out, and then we all left and went to the game. And we all carpooled over to the arena. What is it, Mountaineer Coliseum, I believe, or something along those lines? Yeah. Watched the game. Kevin, speaking of memories during the Kyle Tell career, that was a heck of a game. Probably the best road game I personally went to. Kevin Knox went crazy. Great atmosphere. Con, yeah, but- great
1: atmosphere. Also... Like one of the all-time the lightning, I mean, the lightning sevens. Yeah, the lightning thundersticks with thundersticks that,
2: that lit up that they had in Morgantown. The crowd was insane. Kentucky's down 17 in the second half, right? Oh, and yes. Came back. Yeah, um, it was an unbelievable. I mean, it, everybody thought it was going to be a blowout, including the start of the second half when Kentucky their first possession turn it over. Oh yeah. And then Kevin Knox just went crazy. They and were in the, the water uh, that night. Was it? What's the guy from uh, Major League? Uh, Sorrento, oh, yeah, because <laughs> you wrote the story the next day. But we'll get to that. Um, and so anyway, that game happens. It's an amazing game, and every, of course we're all kind of, you know, when you're covering a game, you get kind of hyped as as the crowd goes yep. up. So everybody, even us covering the games, adrenaline was really high. And so after the game, everybody had all you know written all their stories. We did podcasts and all those things happened. We needed to unwind, and so we went back to to John Hale's hotel room and played video games for I don't know an hour or so. A while. We got some dinner. Anyway, by the time Kyle and I left, what was it, two or? Three, I think,
1: around around three o'clock in the morning when we decided to check into our hotel. And we had both
2: uh, reserved rooms, and we got there, and the guy goes, we have one room left. Gave your room away, Curtis. (laughs) He just gave the room away. Yeah, yeah. And then they said, well, we'll get you caught. Cotton never, cotton never came. Never came. Curtis I just slept got... in a little
1: with, with like an extra we did get an extra blanket finally. Yeah, I that think. was that was it. I got one a extra blanket, blanket and one pillow time. and uh, about 4 hours of sleep before we got up and drove back.
2: Yeah, and so the the lesson here is you go to Morgantown, check in your hotel early. Yes. Yeah, don't uh, uh, don't don't uh dawdle. West Virginia's wild, wild west when it comes to hotel reservations. It's
1: a wild west in a lot of ways. Yes. Um also not, had that was tremendous a tremendous dinner at Applebee's. We did, yeah, midnight Applebee's. Shut run. down in
2: Applebee's, yeah, yep. and ended up on Kyle Tucker's hotel room floor. Yep. A, lot of, a lot of stories start that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, that was a, you know, we were talking about, you know, memories on the beat. That was one of the more memorable games I've covered. I, let, let's uh, let's talk about that while we're talking about memories. We've got uh, got about minute, minute and half. a half. I'll, I'll give. I'll give a couple of my, I mean, I I think my all-time, since in the the Kyle Tucker Kentucky basketball era, 2011 on, my all-time game that I covered was was actually a Kentucky loss, sorry, uh, Kentucky fans, but the Indiana game was one of the craziest games at Indiana the year Kentucky won the national title, their only regular season loss. It was just one of the craziest environments I've ever seen. They had made this concerted effort to keep Kentucky fans out, I think you could, like, I think we talked about it. You could almost actually physically count all the Kentucky fans. There were, like, less than 100 in the building, and it was just at a fever pitch, like, vibrating sound the entire game. It was a great game, back and forth. Uh, and then Watford hits the shot, and they rush the court, and it's the craziest thing you've ever seen. That was the wildest game I've covered. The best game I've covered uh, is, you know, the, in the conversation is the rematch in the Sweet 16. We talked about that last night, just an up-and-down game with Indiana that was really fun. Um and then that, I think that Wichita State game is the best-played game when Kentucky beat undefeated Wichita State. Um, the best game I've covered on this beat. We'll talk some more about that. Best games, most exciting games, uh, most memorable players, best to deal with as a, from a media, media standpoint. We'll talk about that. We'll have Gary Parrish on later to talk about his column, about whether it's uh, John Calipari should have more titles if he has more pressure. Uh, We'll be back in just a few minutes. We're going to take a break. This is Big Blue Insider. I'm Kyle Tucker sitting in for Dick Gabriel. Welcome back. I've been loved by someone. His name is Joe Masato, and I loved him back. And now he's driving across the country to Oklahoma. Joe, if you're listening, we're going to miss you, brother. Tonight we are uh, looking back at uh, a lot of things, at Toys R Us, which is closed down, at SEC Country, which is closed down, which is why Joe Masato, my Kentucky beat-riding partner, is headed back westward. Uh, Want
2: to hear a highlight from Joe on the podcast?
1: Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Curtis, (laughs) Curtis Birch, uh, who you all know very well from this show, he was uh, the host of our SEC Country Kentucky podcast. Uh, and, and Joe and I joined him frequently. I think we had about 100 episodes. And uh, one of Curtis's favorite things was when Joe got... Joe, very mild-mannered. Very. Yes. The most mild-mannered he, person and, I know.
2: And this is, the, this is a perfect clip of it. Yes. Because he gets upset, and then he feels bad about getting upset. So here, here's Joe Masato, kind of, as, as I put it when I tweeted out the link, going off on UCF trying to claim a national championship.
1: I mean, it's it's not like the pre, like even, not even pre-playoff, but it's not even like the pre-BCS era when it was just polls that decided
0: it and whatever poll you were at the top of, you could claim it. Or if you beat the national champion, you could claim it. I mean, Kentucky has one. We're past this, UCF. I mean, there is a playoff set in place, four teams. One plays the other. The two winners advance. So
2: you weren't a part of that, so... Hang your banner, but no one's really going to be paying it any attention. Take That's that. probably more mean to UCF than I'd want to be, but
1: it's, just, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what, UCF? You're stupid. I'm sorry, UCF. that, oh, was, no that was. I love Joe. I really genuinely love Joe Masato. He's a, a good human being. Talented guy. I hope you will uh, tweet at him. Tell him you liked his work if you read it. I hope you did. He did a great job for two years covering... Kentucky football and helping me cover Kentucky basketball, uh, doing the podcast, doing all our cheesy uh, Zaxby's promotional mm. videos and everything he was asked to do. He's the best, and we hope he uh, lands somewhere good soon. I think he will. I believe he will. Um, talking memories. Oh, let's, we need to get to the news. We, we've been doing all this sappy stuff, uh, and we have not talked about the news. Uh, bearing the lead. That's why I'm unemployed, Curtis. Bearing the lead that's uh, okay to do
2: on radio because
1: it's called a deep tease. That's true. A couple big news items today. Uh, relatively big, I think, for Kentucky sports fans. Uh, one is taking money out of your pocket. Well, I guess both are really taking money out of your pocket. Uh, the new sales tax on um, nonprofit events uh, will go into effect on July 1st. It's a 6% tax in Kentucky, and that is going to affect the price of all your Kentucky sporting event uh, tickets. Uh, UK made an announcement of that today. It also said that if you had any purchases, any tickets bought, purchases made before July 1st would not be affected. So I don't know if the ticket office is open at, at this hour on a Friday Should or be. Uh, <laughs> or yeah or Life sale. Yeah, I think that's what I would do. I'd have people stay through the weekend and get a, get as many under the wire. But they are going to incorporate that into ticket sale costs, ticket prices after July 1st. I don't know if you can buy them online right now and, and uh, beat that number. Uh, but it will be 6%. So you'll feel that a little bit, um, in your, in your tickets. Um, and the other financial news in the Kentucky athletic department is Mitch Barnhart athletic director, Mitch Barnhart has gotten an extension through 2023, a new deal he has signed that also gives him a raise of about $195,000 a year. Plus quite a few bonuses, uh, or incentives for bonuses. um, he could make uh, over a million dollars in in base pay, I believe, by 2020. This year, without bonuses, he'll make 925000 Um That sounds like a lot, Curtis. Uh, people probably scratching their head at that number. It is a lot. Um, coaching and athletic director salaries have shot through the roof, but it is not really out of line. Um you know, Maybe some fans will grouse about that, especially on the same day as they find out their tickets are going up. That has nothing to do with Kentucky. That's a state tax, but it is poor timing, I guess. Um, but that number puts him right in the middle of SEC athletic directors. Um, in fact, he still makes less than two guys who worked <laughs> for him yeah. who are ADs in the, uh, in the SEC now, two of his um, UK understudies. Scott Strickland, at, now at Florida. He was at Mississippi State, now at Florida. And Greg Byrne at Alabama. Both make over a million dollars a year. Um, so he still makes less than those two guys, and he trained them up. Um, and you could I don't think you can really argue. Some people will because they'll say, well, football hasn't won a national title. Uh, don't care about the other sports, but his job is an all-encompassing job for all of the sports. And in the all-sports category, um, Kentucky has never been better. Um, finished 10th in the um, Learfield Director's Cup last year which covers all sports success in all sports. Stanford wins that just about every year. Mm-hmm. Uh Kentucky will never unseat Stanford in that, I don't think. Uh, but they did still uh steal uh the track coach uh Edric Floriel who is now gone. Uh but that was a coup. And they also stole Reed Travis from uh yeah, Stanford. Take that Stanford. So so uh yeah, take that Stanford. But um that's that's the uh, that's the thing that Stanford wins every year. Kentucky finished 10th last year, I believe that was the all-time high. Finished 14th again this year. So, they're a top 15 athletic program. Mitch Barnhart is a top now a top 20 compensated athletic director. I think uh Jen Smith of the Herald Leader who I may have been first to report this probably was um because it was not announced. It was just, oh, he's got a new contract
2: out there. Yeah, they, um, they did the same thing with his last one as well. Kind of
1: slipped those in on you. Um no, she notes in her story for the Herald-Leader uh, that I think before this, there were 17, um, at least that we know of. There's some private schools, Vanderbilt and other private schools that don't have to put that information out there, but uh, I think there were 17 athletic directors that were making over a million dollars. So that, that's kind of where you, you need your athletic director to be if you want to keep him. Uh, I don't think Mitch Barnhart's going anywhere. He's now been here, what, 12 years?
2: He is the longest tenured Um, AD in the SEC.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's on the the NCAA selection committee. He's on, you know, he's a a highly, highly respected athletic director around the country. Um, He's on all these various committees with the NCAA and other uh, organizations that uh, sort of oversee college athletics. He is a power player at the table. Uh, he, he's got a, a seat at the big boy table and he's, he has, I mean, you just think about some of the things he's done, including hire John Calipari and his detractors will tell you he didn't want to hire him the first time he was, he was made to hire him the second time. Nonetheless, he hired him and they have, uh, one of the, you know, they have a hall of fame coach, uh, who won him a national title and has them in the picture every year. But beyond that, baseball, softball, football, uh, track Soccer have all improved under him. Also, all have new, new facilities. Ba- a new $50 million baseball stadium that looks like it's going to be absolutely beautiful. is going to open next season. The football stadium, a massive renovation. At what it ended up being, almost $130 million, I think, uh, total. Uh, upgrades, a $49 million practice facility for football. Has really gotten that up to, up to par uh, with, with the rest of the conference. A new softball stadium, soccer complex. Uh, track um, facilities. Basketball has also
2: more recently gotten. I mean, this, the, the. Well, Rupp announced yesterday they put out the new images and right. that was all approved. The, the That's not really a Barnhart thing, though. No, but I mean, thing. they helped that in the, uh, yeah. in the old negotiation right. when they renewed that lease.
1: But across the board, my point, point being, across the board, the athletic facilities, um, the campus, the athletic campus, I guess you would call it, because now that now that the baseball stadium's over there with it, kind of in the same area as softball, soccer, um, the football stadium, it's just been totally transformed. I mean, you drive in on Alumni Drive. In the time that I have covered Kentucky, I I talking of memories, I uh, came from covering Virginia Tech, which was primarily a football school. They had done a beautiful renovation. That's a an iconic stadium, beautiful stadium set in the in the mountains. Really successful program I covered eight straight ten win seasons. I come here I know it's a more basketball focused thing But when I came here to work for the Courier Journal in 2011, I was also going to cover the primary football beat as well Um, And they had been to five straight bowl games. I thought it's gonna be okay. They're 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 pretty successful SEC team That part of it will be fine. And I remember vividly driving in on Alumni Drive with my wife. I wanted to come over when we got in town and see the football stadium kind of see where I was going to be spending my time. And I remember driving up to the front of Commonwealth Stadium and being so underwhelmed and thinking, Ugh, what did I do? This is like, they don't, they don't take football seriously here. Uh, and then, you know, I started hearing the stories, you know, the famous picture of the recruiting room, quote unquote, that was just some folding tables in front of a pull-down screen in the corner of the uh, indoor facility. Um, you know, very underwhelming. And in the time that I've been here, that whole campus, that whole athletic campus has transformed, and that's been under Mitch Barnhart. And with the facilities, the, those programs have, have been on the rise. You've had uh, baseball go to a super regional and hire one of the hot coaches in all of college baseball. You've had softball go to a World Series. Uh, you've had the women's basketball program in, in a multiple Elite Eights. You've had uh, the, baske- the men's basketball program in four Final Fours and win a national championship. Um. You know, you, you saw Floreal get the, you know, maybe the face, the future face of uh, U.S. track and field, yeah. Sidney Sydney McLaughlin, uh, and have all these individuals winning national championships and finishing in the top 10 as a team uh, in track and field. It's really been um, department wide improvement and success and renovation and makeover. Um, and so I don't know. I, I'm sure some people will. Quibble with this raise, this contract. Oh, you know, give him a chance to. I think with full incentives, Jen Smith's story has says he could uh, max out at one point one seven five million by twenty twenty three. That's a lot of money, but in the scheme of what people get as high level athletic directors and what he's done here in over a decade. Uh, I, I don't find any fault in it. What about you, Curtis?
2: No, I mean, and when you look at the guys, because currently there are four ADs in the SEC that make over a million dollars. You mentioned Byrne at Alabama, Strickland, now at Florida, and then uh, Hunter Yurchick at Arkansas. Is that right? No that? idea. But then the other one who makes it, and if you want to compare athletic departments, <laughs> Tennessee is paying Philip Fulmer over a million dollars or a million dollars. Right. After they fired the guy, and now we're paying him. So I think they're paying like 13 different athletic directors yeah. at this point. Yeah, I think that's right. So in in <laughs> stability can actually save you money when you give people raises. And what did would Tom Jurich got like 40 million a year, right? He just like I think so. He, that's about he right. He just raided the, the Well, no, I mean he got paid probably a million, <laughs> and then through other avenues.
1: Speaking of Louisville, we'll transition. This is a that's a good transition. Speaking of Louisville and people leaving. High-level people who made millions of dollars—they're leaving in disgrace. Uh, Drake included Rick Pitino in a new song lyric, and and we were talking about this off the air, Curtis. I think Drake had really kind of fallen off the, uh, you know, con- falling down the ranks of the you know UK superfan yeah. list. You know, and some people, many people deride his, uh, you know, the, the legitimacy of his fandom anyway as a guy who kind of flip-flops between. He's, people think he's a front-runner a little bit. And he's a big Zion Williamson fa- fan, and so there is <laughs> there is some fear. That was my favorite. I that, think <laughs> in uh, the fan base that uh, that that um, Drake will just uh, become a Duke fan next year and start going to Duke games.
2: Because, I mean, that was my favorite thing. Well, Zion's not going to – he's got to go to Kentucky. He and Drake are friends. Right. Like that, I don't think that had any impact on that, Zion's that'll,
1: decision. That'll seal the deal. But, you know, I think he had fallen off a little bit in the BBN Superfan Power Rankings. I believe with the fan base, he's now way back up the list. And Curtis, you can yeah read his, these lyrics for he us. He just
2: had a released a new album last night, midnight. So I guess technically today, but it was Scorpion, and there's a song called John Calipari hates scorpions. That's not. Do you think he did that on purpose? Actually, I think the name of the the name of the album was.
1: Long out there, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, but on a song named Sandra's Rose, he rapped, "Louisville hush money for my young gunners, Rick Pitino, I take them to strip clubs and casinos."
1: That doesn't rhyme.
2: I I, I'm, I think some of the lyrics might be edit like cropped out of what I mm-hmm. found because. Uh, there's you know words that explicit, I can't I can't say around lyrics, them that might advisory. that might rhyme. Can we things. play that on the? Can we play a clip No, of we don't. That? We no. don't
1: have that yet. Oh, okay, well, um, it's not
2: in the news. It's only been out a day. We don't have it.
1: Yeah, ready to go Curtis yet? Curtis hasn't uh, updated the sound files, but yeah, that's. Uh, I think that that gets you elevated in the uh, in the Big Blue Nation uh, power fan power rankings. Um, what do you think of that? What do you think of Drake? Dropping stripper and Rick Pitino references. I, think, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to have, have old Rick and, and Louisville as punchlines moving forward. And do you think, here's, the, here's, here's what we should really talk about, Curtis, because it feels strange. It seems strange every time I hear it talked about or they either one of them talk about it, but I actually think John Calipari and Drake are really actually like kind of buds.
4: Well, yeah, or, you or, heard it when he, I mean, when he you know,
2: did the little cow cast thing, when he came yeah. on there, that was like a yeah. friendly conversation. Yeah. That wasn't an interview. Yeah. That and, was just two guys talking. Yeah. And it was kind weird.
1: Uh, you know, Drake got, gave, gave uh, Cal the special Drake Nikes, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Has, has he, has he rapped about Cal? I can't um, remember.
2: Surely he has. If he hasn't, that's Kentucky that blues. me. Kentucky yeah. blue, the yeah, Kentucky yeah. blue. Oh, yeah. I rock Kentucky blue. Yeah. Yeah. On them. Uh, um. And yeah. And so I mean, that's it's, that lyric is basically, I think, how every UK basketball player has committed yeah, since that right. song came that's out. Right. That's right. That's yes. <laughs> um.
1: So so they're they're legitimately friends, and you know, probably a better way to say it is like Cal. He sees Cal as a mentor. He's talked about that that Cal like encouraged him to go back and finish his education because he's kind of been a child prodigy star. Uh, Actor since he was young, Um, so with that in mind, Curtis, do you think John Calipari picked up one of his phones
2: (laughs) and fed this to Drake and said,
1: "Hey, uh, I got a I got a lyric idea for you. How about you make fun of Rick Pitino? Do you think Cal? Do you think Cal was involved in the process? Do you think Cal suggested it, or or at the very least, do you think Drake texted or called Cal and said?" hey, I'm about to burn your boy on this album, you're going to love it.
2: I bet Cal got the heads up. I bet Cal knew. Yeah, I don't think Cal's planted the seed because it is, as you mentioned, I mean, it's a pretty easy thing. Rappers often talk about strip clubs and those kind of dealings. Right. And obviously the Louisville program is under that cloud right now, so you just connect those two. And I mean, they love, you rappers always mention sports figures.
1: Yeah, well. I think we've blown almost through this break here. So uh, talking about Drake and John Calipari, but I, I assume Cal got the heads up and I, I bet he sat back in his aging recliner uh, with his two new hips and smiled a big smile. One of those, we uh, was whistling and skipping after practice uh, kind of moods. So we'll talk more about memories, Kentucky basketball memories. Call us. 859-280-2287 800-606-4263 Tell us your Kentucky basketball memories or your Toys R Us memories as Toys R Us shuts down today uh, and soon we'll be joined by Gary Parrish to talk about whether John Calipari should have more national titles and if he will have another national title at the end of this upcoming season I'm Kyle Tucker and this is Big Blue Insider
4: I'm be somebody I
1: am gonna be somebody one of these days, Curtis Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider. I'm Kyle Tucker, sitting in for Dick Gabriel, who is on vacation. Uh, And I believe we have a caller. You said Larry?
2: Larry's on the line.
1: Larry, welcome to the show. What's up?
5: Thanks. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, I know you saw the play the other night where the three guys let the foul ball hit between them, right? You know what I'm talking Uh, about? Yes,
1: for Arkansas in in what would have clinched a national championship.
5: Right. Okay. I don't know if you're going to agree or disagree with me, but... That was the right fielder's ball. The first baseman's running with his back to the plate. Second baseman, I don't know where he's running. He overrun the ball. The right fielder's got the ball in front of him. He should have called him off and took that. Don't you agree?
1: I always like the guy charging in versus the guy, you know, pedaling back, for sure.
5: Right. Uh, Well, you had, like I say, one with his back to the plate. Yeah. And that that second baseman is just running rapid I mean, he didn't I don't think he knew what he was doing.
1: Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. When I play I played in the outfield when I played baseball through high school.
5: Uh yeah. and, and I I played
1: in the outfield and if and no one was taking a ball away from me if I could get yeah. to it. I was calling off everybody for every for every ball. Uh Absolutely. I certainly wasn't it's gonna lop, let one drop in front of me.
5: The Infielder goes back to the outfielder calls him out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it and, was uh, uh that,
5: that was that a bad was one. Little league the other night. I mean that was a national championship.
2: Yeah,
1: it's uh, it's a that is an all time because they then then went on to be shut out last night in the the uh, decisive third game and so Arkansas lost uh, the national championship on yeah, that on that play. Where, so I want to are you, you're a Kentucky fan? I assume. Oh,
5: I'm a Kentucky fan. Yeah.
1: All right what is your what is your Kentucky sports moment that is akin to that moment for you?
5: Uh. You mean in any sport?
1: In any sport. What what moment as a Kentucky sports fan made you feel like the Arkansas fans felt watching that ball drop between three guys? And we got about uh, less than a minute here.
5: Uh, geez, I, I I'd have to say that we didn't do it, but the catch the Florida guy made, Werfel threw it, yeah. beat us with Adoring. Yeah, or, or Bluegrass Miracle, the,
1: LSU man.
5: It's got to be right the there. bomb in the LSU game. Yeah.
1: I think that's got to be it. Well, thank you, Larry, for your call. We're going to have to get to a break here in a second, uh, but we appreciate it. Curtis, we'll talk about it when we come back. Some more of those type moments. I think that's probably got to be the moment, but uh, just stunning jaw-dropping gaffes to cost you uh, something big. I don't know if, any, if anybody can top dropping a foul ball with a national title on the line, but uh, we'll be right back. I'm Kyle Tucker. This is Big Blue Insider.
2: My faith is shaking.
1: Welcome back to Big Blue Insider. I am Kyle Tucker, sitting in for Dick Gabriel, and joined on the other side of the glass by Curtis Birch. Uh, we're going to have a short segment here because we're going to have a special guest in the next segment in about uh, five minutes uh, or ten minutes. We'll have Gary Parrish of CBS Sports, who, uh, who tackled the topic uh, that, that John Clay of the Herald Leader sort of raised uh, earlier this week. Should John Calipari have more than one national title? Uh, should he feel some pressure? Uh, those are two different kind of questions. Uh, should it be held against him? They're, 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 it's really not just one question. And, um, and Gary Parrish tackles all of that in a column for CBS Sports, and he's going to join us to talk about it. But uh, first, we were talking in the last uh, segment, we had a caller who asked about the play the other night. If you did not see it, Arkansas was one out away. It was the clinching out, right? Yes, yeah. one now out away ended. from winning its first baseball national championship. I believe first. Um, they don't win a lot of national championships. They did. They did have a, a great run in basketball mm-hmm. back in back in the day. But uh, this would have been a huge thing. I think the entire community, Arkansas community, was on edge, ready to. Explode for a baseball national championship, and there it was a, a pop up with three Arkansas players around it, and it dropped between them and bounced into the stands. Then they lost that game and lost on in a shutout I believe last night and lost the national championship yep so i 'm wondering we talked about it a little bit before winter break what are and I want to hear curtis's thoughts actually curtis's on the phone line, so we might have somebody else with some thoughts on this. Um, I want to know what, uh, what are the Kentucky moments that are similar to that? And one of the callers, we talked about the LSU, the Bluegrass Miracle, the play where uh, in, in a football game, everyone is celebrating a victory. There's a Gatorade bath, and then there is a long, unexpected touchdown pass as people are rushing the field. Um, we got a caller, Curtis. No, you don't. Okay,
2: the caller wanted to say maybe Arkansas is okay because they do win some track national championships. No, I don't think so. I don't. Think they're, they're not okay. They no. do. They yeah, have one try. They do. Yes, but they do. They're but not okay because of that is an all-time crushing. That'd be like if they lost the track championship because they dropped a baton or something, or like tied their shoelaces together. More like it. I mean,
1: people drop batons. We, we you know, well, people uh,
2: miss foul balls. Yeah, but woo, ew, yeah.
1: In that moment, I mean, the thing is, when we talk about, we're talking about, you know, I said, what is the Kentucky moment like? That there are, I mean, most programs don't have a moment like that that actually cost them a national championship, yeah. but they did. You know, Kentucky beating LSU in the in the Bluegrass Miracle game would have been a big win mm-hmm. uh, for that football program, and that one stands out because of just how stunning it was. That was actual. There were already fans celebrating for Arkansas the other night. The team was celebrating. A victory in that Kentucky LSU football game. There was a, a Gatorade. Bath. Well, you know, yeah. There was a field rushing. People were rushing the field as this play is happening.
2: Gary Parrish might have some insight because you know he's in Memphis, so he kind of is in that area, right? Sort of. Yeah. I so mean, I'm sure he remembers. It. I think everybody remembers. No, that. I mean about the Arkansas.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We can yeah we can ask him about Arkansas. Um, what about you? What do you think, Curtis? Uh, before we get to this break, not garden and Bounder. You think you think that the you think that the Leitner play that was a uh, that level of a gaff? Is it
2: shouldn't have should have guarded the inbounder?
1: I guess I guess I'm trying to think Lost in my time. I'm trying to think in my time covering Kentucky since 2011 as we're remembering. I'm giving some of my memories today. I'm trying to think if there's anything that com- I mean I, Kentucky Florida not covering two receivers who scored touchdowns this year in a, in the gut wrenching loss and then getting so so leaving two receivers open and then getting a holding penalty on that uh, run that would have gotten them in a chip shot field goal range. I guess in my time covering Kentucky, that's got to be the closest thing that I have seen. Uh, but we're going to take a break now because when we come back, we will be hopefully joined by Gary Parrish and we're going to talk Kentucky basketball, this now loaded 2018-19 roster, national title expectations, and whether or not John Calipari should have more than one big trophy uh, in his uh, – on his resume. We'll be right back. I'm Kyle Tucker. This is Big Blue Insider.
3: Big wheels rolling. Big wheels rolling.
1: Moving on. Welcome back to Big Big Blue Insider. Insider. That's a song for our man Joe Masato, whose big Big wheels wheels are moving on out west. Uh, I'm Kyle Tucker sitting in for Dick Gabriel, who's on vacation. Curtis Birch working the phone lines on the other side of the glass, and I believe he has our pal Gary Parrish from CBS Sports on the line. Gary, welcome.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. What's up, man? You been okay?
1: I've been good. Uh, just uh, to make you a little more comfortable, at ease. I uh, I know this is how you like to interview people. I've removed all my clothes for this conversation.
0: That's how you like <laughs> to story interview John Calipari. Will live forever. It'll f- that story will will live forever. I promise you that. In in real time, it didn't seem. Nearly as awkward as it must sound uh, in the in the in the way that it's retold.
1: Every every time I have joined for podcast or radio show by Gary Parish, I'm going to tell that story, which is that when Gary <laughs> covered Cal, this mainly I always tell it to demonstrate how how accessible he used to be, and I, I wish he was now. Not maybe not to this level, but Gary used to <laughs> uh, in John Calipari's busy schedule uh he would let gary talk to him after practice but oftentimes only if he would stand on the other side of a shower curtain
0: so he <laughs> could I maximize it, his john, time as i explained it john is really efficient with his time like yeah. he's always doing fifty thousand things and so you're right i never i mean I've, i only was a beat writer for one paper for one school and it was for uh, a program that was led by john calipari but he could not have been more accessible to me. Now, some of that was the nature of the job. Like, right. Memphis is different than Kentucky. But if I wanted him every day before practice, one-on-one, after practice, um, you know, whenever, mm. on the cell phone, whenever, I could I could do that. He was, I hate he was very, very open. And all practice is <laughs> open as well. But to your point about the story, like, practice would be over, and I wanted to talk to him, but he's trying to take a shower and get going to some dinner, some speaking engagement, yep. maybe some high school game. And so the best way that he could make good use of his time is he's going to jump in the shower and I'll literally ask him questions, interview him <laughs> while he's while he's, up. In, yep. while he's in the shower. Yep. Like, that is, that's all true stuff. And it, it was only because, like, hey, listen, if I can do two things at once, yep. then I can get out of here a little more quickly. So that was the, the root of it. But, uh, yeah, all true stuff.
1: Well, so because of that, you know John Calipari very well. Uh, and so you're, I think, uniquely qualified to write what you wrote this week, which was kind of uh, piggybacking on John, John Clay of the Herald-Leader kind of posed the question, should John Calipari have more than one national title? And, and you wrote a column sort of addressing that as well. And, and you and John, and I think most people, reached the same conclusion. Yes. Yes, he should. The, to start with, yes, he should have more more than one because he was up nine with two minutes to go when he was at Memphis in the title game. Uh, he had the best team in college basketball his first year at Kentucky with John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, he got uh, to a national championship game. Maybe he shouldn't have, but he beat, beat three Final Four teams from the year before to get there, and then all, had to, all they had to do was beat a mediocre UConn team in 2014 uh, and didn't. And then had one of the most talented teams in college basketball history, started 38-0 got there, didn't get it done. So, yes, I think any reasonable person could say with all those opportunities and plus 2011 got to a Final Four um, should have more than one. But but you go on to make another point, a more nuanced point about that, which is what?
0: Well, just that if the question is as simple as should he have more than one, the answer is obviously yes. I counted six different times in the past 13 seasons When John either A, had the best team in the country, or B, was in the best position of of anybody else in the country to win a national championship. All the times you mentioned, plus in 2006 at Memphis, when they're as a one seed playing a UCLA team that they had already beaten pretty easily. If they win that game, they go to the Final Four, and they would have been the only number one seed at that Final Four, which would have made them the favorite to win the national championship, and yet they shot 11.8 percent from three-point range and lost to UCLA. And Florida, as a 3 seat goes on to win the title. So when he's had that many opportunities, yes, he should have more than one. Obviously, the biggest one being at Memphis in 2008, when they're up nine with a minute 58 to play. But this is also true. Nobody's been better at their job in the past nine years than John Calipari. And right. I know Jay Wright's got more titles, and Mike Krzyzewski in that same span's got more titles. But John's got twice as many Final Fours as any other coach in the past nine seasons. And the the sort of bottom-line point I try to make is to focus on the missed opportunities, I think, is to look in the wrong direction. Um, Lack of opportunities is a problem in college basketball, not missed opportunities. And with John, you're going to have a realistic opportunity to win a national championship basically every other year. That's what he's shown us for about the past 15 seasons, that basically every other year on average, He's going to have a team that is built to do it. And I think this coming up season is going to be another one of those years. I don't think there should be any question about they should be preseason number one. And then he will either go win a national title and people will start talking about something else, or he won't. And his bullet point will continue yeah. to hover. But I think it's fair to, to say both of these things. Yes, he should have more than one national title, but nobody's been better at their job the past nine years. And John Calipari.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing I, I often say to sort of frustrated Kentucky fans is you, it's, you could ask for more than one title at this point, but it's hard to ask for much more than being in the hunt for a national title almost every single year. They are one of the handful of teams in, what, 80% of the seasons he's been here and the, the end of his Memphis run there, too. They're always one of the handful of teams who could win it all. Um, and, in fact, that was true this year when they when it looked like the bracket opened up and they just couldn't get by Kansas State. But if get them in that Final Four, I, maybe that, that team can win. Um, right. It's hard to ask for much more than having building a roster every year and when you're re, remaking it every year that can compete for a national title, and he's done that.
0: Yeah, like you know, the point I make in the column is really all you can reasonably ask a college basketball program a college basketball coach at any program in America to do, is assemble championship contenders as often as possible and then use the regular season to earn a seed that correlates with a likelihood of a deep run into the bracket and then just hope for the best. I mean, it's a single elimination tournament of 40-minute basketball games, and it is a lot of fun to watch and a lot of fun to cover, but it's not actually the best way to ensure the best team gets the best trophy. And yep. so you have, I've never met a coach who's won a national championship who doesn't, when talking about it, explain that they had to get lucky, that they, got, they can usually remember the exact moment or the exact sequence. Um, and so you've got to get lucky. And you know, when the NBA playoffs start, the Golden State Warriors are the favorite to win it, and you would have been silly to, to pick anybody other than them. Yep. But when the NCAA tournament starts, and I don't care how good any one team is, You're always better off taking the field. Even in 2015, which is uh, when Kentucky was obviously the best team in the country, when that tournament started, I would have still taken the field. So if you acknowledge that that's true, then no coach, no matter how good his team is, how talented his roster is, is ever supposed to win an NCAA tournament when an NCAA tournament starts. The odds are stacked against all of them, and I think that's important to remember. And, And it's probably an explanation for the question Why does John Calipari only have one national? Because he coaches college basketball and they decide a champion with a single elimination tournament at the end. I think it is much easier if you're a great college football coach to get multiple championships than it is if you're a great college basketball coach to get multiple championships. That's why the list of men who have actually done it is pretty short. Very short.
2: Hey Gary, it's Curtis, and why don't you think John Calipari gets, do you think I should phrase it like this, do you think he gets enough credit for getting teams that really didn't belong to the Final Four there? I mean that the title run with the Harrisons as freshmen, the Brandon Knight team, those teams when you watch them in the regular season I mean they had no business being in the Final Four but they ended up making it.
0: Well he's such an accomplished recruiter that he gets the label of he's a great recruiter but he's also a high level coach you know you're talking to somebody who probably still to this day has set in on more John Calipari practices than anybody else in the world as far as media members go. Like, I've watched him run practices day after day after day. He has a unique ability to get immensely talented people to play hard and to play together. And that's really the trick. You know, know, I've been to enough coaching clinics to know everybody can get on a dry erase board and draw up a play. Everybody knows how to switch ball screens. Everybody has... You know, uh, out of bounds plays. Like, it, it, can you get guys to play hard and together for you? And John, I think, if he's not the best, he's he's one of the best at, at doing that. And yeah, sometimes he has these teams that are just awesome from start to finish. 2008 Memphis, you know, really 2010 Kentucky until they lo- lose in the Elite Eight, certainly 2012 Kentucky, 2015 Kentucky. But sometimes he has teams that, you know they're they're all over the place early, like he's really having to figure things out and and identify roles and and work through stuff usually because you know the guys he's dealing with are all so so young, talented but way inexperienced, and even in those years he like usually figures it out um you know they 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 usually still have a chance to either you know compete for a final four or and like they actually get to the final four, and the only exception to that is obviously. The 2013 season, where Nerland got hurt, but like Nerland got hurt. Everybody jokes about, yeah, Kentucky missed the tournament, went to the NIT, and lost to Robert Morris. And the truth is, that team was headed to the NCAA tournament until its best player you know, tore his ACL. And so without that on the resume, he would be 9 for 9 in, in, in terms of NCAA tournaments with four Final Fours and a national title.
1: And six Again, I,
0: you know, If you want to just count championships, then Jay is ahead and, and, and Coach K is ahead. But if you actually look at it and say, who has done the best job of putting his program in a place every single year where it can have a realistic shot to win a championship, the answer is John Calipari.
1: I agree with you there. And those other two guys you mentioned also interspersed with those, those titles. Some early first weekend exits. Um, Kentucky, you've got Kentucky number one. You've said you know they should probably be preseason number one when the polls come out. Why? 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 When you look at this roster now that they've got it all uh, assembled, why is this the number one team in the country going into the year? What do you like about
0: them? Well, they got the five star freshmen, like always, and there's nothing unique to them for them. You know that, but they've also got two you know, basically double digit scores returning in PJ Washington, Quad Green, and I don't have to um detail the roster for you player by player. You and everybody else listening knows it. But I do think it's important. You know, they've got guys who have played thirty five to forty games at the collegiate level and not just a few minutes here and there, but like then relevant players on a good basketball team. Uh, that matters. And then I, I the enrollment of Reed Travis is a massive deal because it's one like everybody says you need you mm-hmm. need older players. Well, not if they aren't any good cuz they're not going to play. So they don't help you. You need older good players. Older good players who are going to play for you. And I think Reed is that. You know, he's going to be a 22-year-old highly productive and accomplished senior basketball player who is also, you know, getting major minutes for Kentucky. And so, to me it's pretty simple. If you look back at John's best teams at Kentucky, and you and I might disagree on this, but I would I would Describe them as 2010, 2012, 2015. Um, they've all got, yeah, the five-star freshmen. That's what you remember. John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, or Anthony Davis, and, and Michael Kidd Gilchrist, or um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, and, and that group. But they also had you know, the Harrison Twins as sophomores. That mattered. Um,
1: Willie Cauley-Stein you know, so as a junior.
0: You know, Patrick Patterson as an experienced player you know i think three of the top 6 scores on the championship team were non freshmen and i would think depending on you know who gets what role and whatever but it's possible that three of the top 6 players on this kentucky team are going to be non freshmen and when you combine incredible talent with some experience that's when you've actually got you know a, a realistic chance to to go win the whole thing and so when i looked at it and compared it to Kansas, which I really think is the only other option for preseason number one. It seemed pretty clear to me that it should be Kentucky, and so I think when the AP poll comes out in October, the Wildcats are going to be number one in the in that poll for the third time in a six year span, and then and then we'll throw the ball up and see.
2: Well, and Gary, you know, you mentioned that first team under John Calipari, but they lost to South Carolina. Shout out to Devin Downey, am I right?
0: Shout <laughs> <Just> to <laughs> Devin Downey, indeed. <laughs>
1: team before one one last thing we got about 30 seconds here are you are you team platoon or no platoon this is a 10 this looks like it might be a 10 deep group and there's some buzz about Discal does, does he have enough guns to platoon again should he would he have to platoon again are you are you for it or against it
0: anything that makes you play carl anthony towns like 21 minutes a game i'm against um, <laughs> i understand why john did that because he was managing a lot of egos and a lot of stuff but You know, you tell me. If Tyler Eulis is the primary point guard that whole year, you think they lose?
1: I don't know. I couldn't defend anybody against Wisconsin. Neither could Devin. That's fair.
0: That's fair. I I just, I don't, I would rather play my best seven or eight instead of platoon 10. But I do understand that you're not just coaching basketball, you're managing a basketball team. So, John's been successful doing this a whole lot of different ways. But, yeah, I would, I would, I would fall on the side of no platoon. Let's let everybody compete for whatever they want to compete for, and then we'll put the best players on the court as many minutes as possible to try to win as many games as we can.
1: Thank you, Gary. we got to run to a break. We appreciate it.
0: I'll see you guys. Bye.
5: Doesn't kill you, makes you stronger
1: it's hard not to want to stand up and belt this out when, you, when it comes on. The death of SEC country did not kill me, and it will make me stronger. Yeah. Curtis, I appreciate all your musical selections these last two nights. The the goodbye songs last night and the triumphant returns. Take it ex girlfriend song. Yeah, ex
2: boyfriend. Yeah. Um, I'm the, Kyle that's, Tucker. That's the genre that you kind of go to with these. Yeah, it's, it's not a lot of like career moves. Em- empowerment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Empower,
0: empowerment
1: songs. Um, I'm Kyle Tucker. That's Curtis Birch. This is Big Blue Insider. We're sitting in. For Dick Gabriel, I'm sitting in for Dick Gabriel tonight, and we're down to our last 25-ish minutes, and then'm that's it. I'm officially unemployed. This is my last paying gig for a while. Um, Curtis has paid me in 99 uh, cent tacos. Big bag of them. Um, so let's talk some more memories. Gar- Gary was great, by the way, as always. He's been great uh, when he's been on the podcast. You got any more Joe clips from the yeah, podcast? I do. We want to we, we want to remember our our boy Joe Masado, who I believe is now driving westward. Uh, my former, now former Kentucky beat partner. Uh, he was always entertaining on these podcasts, and Curtis has got one more queued up on
0: him. Yeah. It.
2: So there was a eating contest at the bowl game, and Joe <laughs> was disappointed in the results.
0: I mean, reports from Nashville indicate that Mike Edwards only ate three chicken tenders, which. I would eat three chicken tenders if I'm just going out to eat by myself or something, you know? Like I would order, you know, a three-piece chicken tender or or more even. And this is an eating contest, which you've got to fully exert yourself. You've got to be going for at least like six or seven or eight or or even more. I I don't know. These are football players. But Mike Edwards is just having a normal meal by himself, I guess. Just three chicken tenders come on.
2: Oh, Joe. <laughs> oh
0: man.
1: Oh man, that one gets me. That one that slays me. Joe, that was a that was that was I if I were going to pick an audio clip to remember Joe by, that's the one. That is fantastic. And that's a great point. I mean, that was a That was an utterly disgraceful eating competition performance. Three chicken, three chicken. I like how
2: Joe's voice (laughs) elevates. Three chicken. He's just having
1: a meat normal meal. I would eat 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 three chicken. There's just going out to eat
2: by myself. I like that he has. Sometimes I might even eat four.
1: (laughs) If I'm really getting wild, I might eat four. Oh, Joe, we will miss Joe. We miss the podcast. But Curtis, while we're doing this, I want you to. I want. I want to let you self promote because we had the podcast for SEC Country and we called it. Wildcat Country.
2: Unofficially, I mean we never really We like, called it that, that. We, right, no, that, we, we, we came have, up with it, but it was never on It was not branded as such. on the official SEC Country feed that way. That
1: was our name for it. And now Wildcat Country is going to live on.
2: Yeah, I'm starting it back up since that podcast over there is gone now. We're yep. going to do the same deal. Got his own logo? Yeah, I got all the logos. My college roommate helped me put that together and uh, got all the, all the trappings I'm getting it approved on iTunes. I think it's, it's already up on SoundCloud. The feeds are and Stitcher and all those places. I'm getting all that work through. You should be hearing them an episode next week, probably just a introductory episode. And initially I'll probably just do one a week, get the feet wet and figure out everything. Obviously my biggest thing is I want it to be kind of interactive as much as possible. So whoever, who, Whoever listened to the old podcast, you know, reach out. We'll get you involved. You know, reading tweets. We used to do that yep. on the old podcast. Any comments in the section? So you'll find the links. I'll on probably my jump Twitter. on every now and then. Yeah, it's on. I got a. All the feeds are set up. There's a Facebook page, there's Twitter. We haven't put out any information because I'm going to officially start it on June or July first. Um, but fiscal year. It's all yeah, this that's fiscal year. Fiscal year buddy. responsibility. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Um, but I'll I'll have all the links on my Twitter account at Curtis Birch and. You know, just stay tuned there, and then you'll be able to follow along with their own social media accounts going forward.
1: Don't follow me at KyleTugger underscore SEC for the next while because I'm deleting that app off my phone as soon as we get off the air. I'm getting in the car with my wife and two babies, and we're driving as much as we can get while they're asleep tonight towards the beach. We're going to take a break uh, as I regroup and figure out what's next for me, and I cannot wait to just disengage from social media. Um, and I'm gonna remove the temptation to get on because even though I say I hate it, I, it it's like you pick your phone up and your thumb just goes right to it. I'm gonna I'm gonna remove it, um, and I'll probably take the underscore sec off my handle at some point soon. Um, so yeah, we're winding down, man. We uh, we got 21 minutes left in the show, not even, uh, and uh, we're talking memories. Uh, I'll t- I'll talk I'll give some some thoughts if you guys want to call in. Uh, give your, as Curtis has de- de- uh, delineated it, the Kyle Tucker era of mm-hmm. Kentucky sports uh, from 2011 on is when I got here for the Courier-Journal the last two years with SEC country. If you want to call in and give some of your favorite UK memories or players in that time, uh, essentially, uh, just cutting off the first couple years, it's uh, it's essentially the Calipari era, uh, 859-280-2287 or 1-800-606-4263. Um, I'm going to give some of my like my favorite guys to cover in this time, um, and like I said earlier, I hope that I'll be covering. Uh, I, I will be covering Kentucky probably in some capacity. It may not be as a full-time Kentucky-focused beat writer anymore. It might be in a broader situation. I've got both kind of options on the table right now. So just in case I'm no longer a day-to-day fully focused on Kentucky beat writer, we're looking back a little bit and and my favorite guys to cover, deal with. Um, if I'm gonna give, I'll going to i give a, a final four, a top four here. Uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Dominique Hawkins, and I would say probably Shea Gilgis-Alexander entered that group this year. Um, the first three really was about how, how they were to deal with. They were great players, but um, how they were to deal with. Um, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist on that list of favorite guys to cover for me. It was my first season – I was so impressed, Curtis, by the way Michael Kid gilchrist attacked wanting to wanting to be interviewed. Even though he had a speech impediment, it's now been well-chronicled. He went through a lot of um, training on that. I think he still does. And now he, he works with kids and tries to inspire kids that are dealing th- with the same things. But um, it was really tough for him to get through an interview. And they had to do some extra training with him early on in his time here to, to get him comfortable and... and you know, develop sort of a method for him to stay focused and calm, and and not stutter and stuff through the interviews. And the easy thing for him to do would have been to kind of go in his shell and say, "I don't want to do these interviews." But he wanted to, and he always showed up smiling. He always uh, seemed eager to to work through the questions, even if he got kind of snagged on one. He was always, you know. Saying hello and, and and being super friendly and, and I saw him years later, 2015, in that uh, Bahamas trip. He flew it. He flew to the Bahamas with his mom on a like long weekend just because he knew Kentucky would be there and he wanted to see his old coach and his old team. And you and he is it, yes not I'm not so <laughs> arrogant as to think that, but he remembered me and there are very few. I mean, they're only here for a few months. There I guarantee you that most of the guys that have come through here do not remember me or any of us. Uh, and he walked right up to me and said hello. And 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 he's just the nicest, nicest kid. Um, and he had every reason to be, you know, to not want to even deal with us. And he he embraced his sort of struggle with that. He got better at it at doing interviews. And he was just an all-around good dude. I like take Mike. a call. Yeah, let's take a call. Who we got? Ed. Ed, what's up?
5: Hey, Kyle. How you doing tonight?
1: Very good. How are you?
5: I'm doing great, man. I want someone to call and wish you good luck. I. I'm sorry to hear all this. I'm really behind on it. I didn't realize that uh, this was happening, but uh, we need you around this program, so you be sure and answer that phone because somebody's going to call pretty quick. Good <laughs> I luck appreciate, to you,
1: man. I appreciate that, Ed. How are you doing? He's gone. He's oh, he's gone? Yeah, he just right. wanted to say. Well, stay. that was very kind. Just, yeah, just call in to, just to, to offer some encouragement. People, another... There are some good people in the world,
2: Curtis. Yeah, see, well, that's why – a... Closing Twitter and deleting that off the phone, you'll probably see more of more, <laughs> <laughs> More real-life yes, good, like good human, human. beings. Uh, we got
1: Brad on line three. Yep. Brad, what's
4: up? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call.
1: Yeah, no problem. If you
4: can't hear me very well, I'm at work. That's okay. Uh, I didn't realize they were doing away with the uh, SEC country. Uh, I had a couple questions. going about that. What made them decide to do away with you?
1: the almighty dollar man i guess uh cox media was the parent parent company um yeah we were all shocked it was a little over two years uh the numbers were good in terms of uh readership people were really and it was growing every day
4: uh, uh, the job that you've been at for a long time and then pick up and leave so i wish you the best of luck Kyle. i hope everything works out and i hope y'all do start another podcast uh, Superbably the uh, Curtis first breathing heavily in the background, as he could.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. We And uh, Curtis is starting back up the podcast. I don't think he breathes too heavy in the background. Um uh, <laughs> Just giving uh, him a hard
4: time. Curtis uh, is uh, the best. One other thing I wanted to say about uh, Kentucky, I know a lot of people want championships for the 4th I do too, especially like... My biggest problem is if the bracket breaks the way it did this previous year, of course, you know, it's a little heartbreaking when we lose. Right. But I find joy and excitement in the fact that we can say that we're in contention nine times out of ten every year. And our name is always in the papers. It's always in the, you know, the ESPN. Where Kentucky's always being talked about. And that's my biggest thing is... As long as we say relevant, then I don't think we should be able to
1: complain about it. Thank you for your call. Thank you very much for your call. And I think, Curtis, he makes a really good point about the word relevant. Um, I think that that puts a fine point on sort of what Gary was saying, what I was saying. Relevant. What what does every fan base really crave? Um, Obviously, they want to win championships, but... The, the, the biggest thing is be relevant. Yeah. Make Kentucky and, basketball relevant, relevant again. And, and Calipari, especially coming on the heels of the Billy Gillespie era uh, and sort of the, the whimpering end of the Tubby Smith era, has made Kentucky basketball more than relevant. They are the it program. Even when they're not the best team in the country, they are often the most talked about. And as he said, more times than not, at the end of the year, in late March, people are saying, man, Kentucky might win this thing. And, you know, that's that is about all you can ask for as a fan. base.
2: And I think that's partially why UK fans and all fans really like recruiting so much. And, you know, obviously you want to win recruiting battles because they're normally for the best players. But that just—it's like winning when it's bragging rights. You, yeah, it's too, bragging yeah. rights when you're not on the court. Winning like a during recruiting your, title. Yeah, I mean, like,
1: Alabama fans love their national titles. They also—they also love
2: the recruiting title. Yeah, they love
1: I, being ranked number one every year in that.
2: And I mean, as we talked, I think we talked about it last night. You know, John Calipari, his team and his name has been in the news all summer long, and it's been like this trickle of. All these guys got on camp. P.J. Washington's coming back. Freshmen yep. are on campus. Ashton Higgins reclassified. There's Class- news every campus. week, yeah. Tra- uh, Reed Travis picked Kentucky. Now we're going on this train, store, train tour. Now I'm on the SEC teleconference. He's now like now I got an
1: office full of puppies. Yeah, somebody said puppies. I hate puppies on the Today Show. I mean, he is, a, he is a master at keeping Kentucky on the tip of everyone's tongue in a sport that is often a three- or four-month-a-year sport everywhere else. He, Kentucky basketball is always – about we're gonna to get to a break here shortly but and we'll talk maybe more about this list I, I, my my favorite guys to cover Kid Gilchrist I talked a lot about him Carl Anthony Towns Dominique Hawkins and Shay gilchrist Alexander and we maybe talk about Shay a little bit uh, maybe Dom too but um, when we come back I'm Kyle Tucker this is Big Blue Insider and we'll have uh, one more segment for you when we come back
4: mind, and
1: welcome back right. to big blue Insider for our final segment and my last six minutes and thirteen seconds of employment <laughs> <laughs> for the foreseeable future. Uh, I'm Kyle Tucker filling in for Dick Gabriel. That's Curtis Birch on the other side of the glass. Curtis, I left someone off my list Ooh. of favorite players that I've covered in my seven years on the Kentucky beat. I was—I have two in my mind. Is, Let me guess. Like yeah, a, it's totally egregious.
2: Is it Coley Stein? Yes. Okay, I mean, I, I don't know.
1: Say. I don't. I mean, I was trying to do it kind of off the top of my head. I was writing it on the paper, but. Uh, I, I don't know how I left him off, and oh, and, man, I, and as I look at this list, so it's Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Carl Anthony Towns, Dominique Hawkins, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and Willie Cauley Stein. That'd be my top five uh, favorite guys to cover here. Four of the five are are, are three letter abbreviation, hmm. you know, hyphenated name guys: MKG, KAT, SGA, and WCS. And then yeah. there's Dom, but you can his name is can be shortened to a three-letter Dom. Dom Hawkins, the probably the most effervescent uh, personality, uh, you know, wrote stories about how he didn't know how to not smile, smiled all the yeah. time, and it was cool to see how bad he wanted that scholarship offer. I remember covering him when he was, uh, you know, want, you know trying to fight and earn that scholarship. Uh, to Kentucky. He so badly wanted to play here. He, he puts on this great show, and, and honestly, if Kentucky doesn't make the miss the tournament and go to the NIT in 2013, we maybe never, never see Dom Hawkins here, because Calipari and the staff were a, around. It's, they usually are not for the Sweet 16 at Rupp Arena. They didn't have anywhere to go that postseason, so they saw him. He put on this huge show, uh, gets his scholarship Kind of bides his time, wait, you know, waits his turn, although he was a huge factor as a freshman.
2: Yeah, he came in um, and shut down. He was the
1: defensive stopper in three consecutive games mm-hmm. against the best scorer for, I think it was Louisville, Michigan, and Wisconsin yeah. um, in helping them reach that title game. And then just had such a, a great senior year and was so important to that team. That was cool. One of the reasons you like him. Carl Anthony Towns, I think it's self-explanatory. Um, you know, One of the most polished, polite, just kind of gets it, kids. I think they've ever had walk in here as a star. Shea Gilgis Alexander. It was about you know watching a guy who was you know it's, this should go on like his um, you know in his official bio seventh highest rated recruit at Kentucky because I think it's been regurgitated so often, but it does stand out. This considered the seventh best recruit they got. He goes number eleven overall in the NBA draft after one year, and people talking about him as a you know project player, three or four year guy. One and done, and he's a lottery pick. And he, and he did it. It wasn't because he was misranked necessarily as a recruit. It's because he worked and got better than what he was when he walked in the door. A lot better. Those 7 a.m. workouts. Hard not to like a guy like that. Another guy who smiled all the time. Um, Calipari talked about it, I bet, a hundred times in press conferences and then decided to stereotype, stereotype Canadians yeah. as uh, you know Why chronic smilers.
2: Smiling? Michael Mulder smiled a lot as he well. He did smile a lot. And he, he did say A. Hey. Uh,
1: I yeah. did a story on the in, all the international flavor that one season where Mulder and, and Jamal Murray were on the same team. Murray did not say A, hey, and he thought it was like a he thought that was a stereotype. But then I'm sorry. Mur- yeah, Murray didn't. Mulder did. He said the A. Hey, and he got nope. a real he got a real kick out of all the Canadianisms. Uh and then Willie cauley Stein, who I left off the list, who should have been probably number one on the list, um, one of the most interesting people I will ever cover maybe the most interesting he was i just love that willie didn't care uh about what he was supposed to be or say or look like um he dyed his hair blonde and did all kinds of other strange things and wore weird clothes and said really weird things uh and you know spoke up about things and and was just you know he was one of the best people to interview people i remember chuck culpepper who people around here know he worked at the herald leader and has worked at many national publications, completely fell in love with Willie Cauley Stein during that 2015 season. We would well, just the,
2: race each other to get to Willie's locker. That at, was my know. favorite moment of the Willie Cauley Stein interview era. He hid one time in in like a like a tape room, yeah, off, and no one knew where he was and you like you walked into the locker room area and every like you see all these reporters and their eyes are just darting across yep. the room like where's the guy who gives the awesome Sca- yeah, quotes the scavenger hunt for and Willie they time and then all of a sudden it's kind of spread that he was off in like it was basically almost a closet with like a a, ta- a training table in it, and he was sitting in there and then all of a sudden, when I was walking back out, the, the room was completely full of people trying to talk to yes. Willie Colley's side. Was, yeah, he was he was the best interview without a
1: doubt. You know, we can talk about best and favorite, but without a doubt, he was the best interview of the John Calipari era. Uh, and not many people would disagree with that. So uh, we're winding down. We're, we got a, the, the one minute clock. Uh, SEC country coming to an end. My man Joe, we've, I hope he's listened to at least some of this, either yesterday or tonight. Uh, we've, we've paid homage to him because we're going to miss him. He's driving out west. Uh, I'm about to get in the car. My wife's in the parking lot with two hopefully sleeping babies. We're going to drive as far as we can get towards the beach tonight while they sleep. And so I'm not too sad, but I am a little sad. I'm wearing my SEC country polo. I'm going to rep it to the end, Curtis. That's how you um, got to do it. And I hope you guys will, will stick around. I'm going to delete Twitter for, for the week, but I'll be back on it. Same account, and uh, soon I'll probably have an announcement about what I'm doing next, and, um, and I hope you guys
2: will stick with me. Well, Thank I you, just, Curtis,
1: for everything, for having me, for inviting me.
2: Well, i just like to say it was awesome working with you and Joe, even though it was kind of a short stint. Those, those times were awesome. I mean, I think we got know each other pretty well, those everyday 30-minute podcasts. Yep. We're a chore at times, but looking back, I wish we were still doing them.
1: I know, and I wish uh, I don't wish you were still sleeping on the floor next to me like the uh, that fateful night in Morgantown, West Virginia. But uh, thank you guys for listening, for following, for reading. I uh, hope you keep doing all those things. I'm Kyle Tucker sitting in for Dick Gabriel, and this has been the Big Blue Insider. We'll talk to you soon.